Thank you. Well, I know Margaret's going to be listening to the uh, recording, if it works. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she's really thrown me that, and I've got to get my emotions together. <laughs> Praise God. Today is the 28th of April. Exactly 50 years ago, in 1969, the 28th of April fell on a Monday. That was the day Jesus Christ came into my life and I was born again. Oh, one or two people are pleased about that. <laughs> Do you know the day it happened, the angels are rejoicing. In... And, uh, Jerry wondered how long I would need to, to tell you about 50 years. Well, I'm not actually aiming to tell you about the 50 years that I've been a Christian. I'm going to concentrate mainly on how it started, um, but with one or two other things um, thrown in. Um, let me give you a bit of background. I'm the youngest of three children, and our lives revolved around the church. My mum and dad were both Sunday school teachers, and they were involved in just about everything in the church. Our whole life was the church. Um, but it was actually, the church was actually more like a social club. Um, the gospel was never preached. Nobody ever spoke about Jesus in personal conversation. The, one of the few exceptions to that was actually my dad, um, who did speak about Jesus, but it made my mum extremely uncomfortable, and so he didn't do it very often. And certainly in the church, all I sort of heard week by week was, uh, um, well, we need to be good people and uh, yeah, there's one or two stories in this book that can help us but yeah, we can't really believe what's in here. So that's the sort of thing that I, I grew up with. Um, but, but I enjoyed it. Um, I, by the time I was sort of 11 or 12, if anybody had asked me if I was a Christian, I would have said yes. I didn't have a clue what it meant but I went to church and uh, I thought that made me a Christian. But round about that time, a family came to our church that were unlike any people I'd ever met before. Their names were John and Mary. And uh, actually, there's, uh, I think, four people that um, come here that got to know John and Mary in much later years, but that's none of them are here today. Ron and Pat knew John and Mary. Um, but they, they came um, to our church... And they really sort of upset things because they started asking people, are you born again? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And, uh, and what amazed me most of all about these people was that they believed the Bible. I, I was absolutely incredulous. I, didn't, I really didn't think there was anybody left in the world that believed the Bible. You know, I thought, yeah, centuries ago people believed it, but you know, we've sort of grown up now and we don't believe these sort of myths and everything. But these people actually believed it and the, the miracles in it. They believed that things in there could affect our lives today. And I thought these are very strange people. And uh, my mum confirmed that view and she actually said to me, they're a bit fanatical. Don't have, I wouldn't have too much to do with them if I was you. Um, well, actually that proved difficult because Mary became my Sunday school teacher and, uh, and they were both very much involved in sort of young people's activities in the church. So I kept encountering this couple and also their son, who was a, a year or so older than me. He'd become a Christian and uh, yeah, he was telling everybody about what it meant to become a Christian. 
And uh, I thought, what am I going to do about these people? And uh, I was a really obnoxious little boy. I was 12, 13 by then. And I thought I, was, I started a one-man campaign to try and destroy everything that this family was doing. And uh, because to me, they were upsetting my little world that I'd grown up with. And uh, I thought, I'm going to put a stop to this. So in these Sunday school lessons with Mary, almost every week, I would argue with almost everything she said. Now, we've got some Sunday school teachers here. I don't know if you've ever had a child as awkward as me. So, yeah, Mary would sort of read something out of the Bible and say something, and I said, that's a load of rubbish. And I'd be really sort of vocal. And uh, she told me later on that uh, sometimes she would go home absolutely exasperated because of me, really, really discouraged and uh, thinking, how, how can I get this message across? But this is the important thing. She prayed for me. Yeah, we never... We never know what we owe to people who've prayed for us. And I thank God you know, for people throughout the, the years that I know have prayed for me. And um, so Mary and John prayed for me. And in April 1969, they announced that they were having a, a young people's weekend at, at the church, starting on Friday night through to Sunday night. And um, it was going to be a whole sort of weekend of activities, some fun stuff, but I knew there'd be a lot of this Bible stuff in it as well. And uh, so Mary said to me, are you coming along? I said, you must be joking. Think I want to listen to that nonsense all weekend? I've got better things to do. Um, but for some reason that I'll never know, on Friday night, I turned up and uh, having been quite sure I wasn't going to come, I walked in and uh, we actually had two trainee missionaries were coming from the the weekend to share with us, and there was loads of literature there on the table. The first book, I just at random picked up a book and found it was attacking the theory of evolution and saying, why as Christians we don't believe it? I said, what on earth is this? You, know, you, you bring this stuff into our church. You know, some evolution has been proven. Everybody knows that it's the proof, and you, you've got this rubbish here. And they must have thought, boy, what are we in for this weekend? Um, but, you know, nothing seemed to ruffle them. They just answered calmly. Every, everything that I said, they just answered very calmly and graciously too. But something amazing happened that weekend, and I still can't explain it other than the power of God. Sometime between Friday night and Sunday night, something changed. Um, we had various sort of sessions and uh, actually split up into different groups and were talking about different things. Things like, you know, how should um, you choose your life partner? How should you choose your career? What's the Christian attitude to this, that and the other? And uh, I remember one particular session about choosing your career. And I even remember the verse they quoted, which has always stuck with me, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as if you were doing it for the Lord and not for men. So they would share these things and they would uh, then ask questions. And I found rather than arguing, I was actually answering the questions from what they'd said. And they'd read bits out of the Bible. I'd say, well, so what the Bible's saying here seems to be this and this. And I just didn't realise I was doing it. 
until I got home on Sunday night and I thought, what on earth has happened? I thought, I went along to that weekend to destroy it and to mess everything up. And I've agreed with everything they've said. I've been backing them up. And uh, I was so sort of confused as to how this had happened. And um, I didn't pray any formal sort of prayer. Um, but I know that I was open to what was happening. I was ready to admit that I'd been wrong and that these people had got something I hadn't got, and I, I was open to it. So the next day was Monday, the 28th of April, and I went to school, Monarch School in Walthamstow, and uh, I've occasionally been there since for meetings and different things, and I, I remember it so vividly. As I walked down the corridor from room four to room one, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ had come into my life. I knew that he was alive. I almost sort of like ran, flew down that corridor. And I was so filled with such incredible joy that I can actually remember thinking, I wonder if the Christian life is always like this. And it isn't, by the way. And, uh, but I remember thinking, if it is, I don't think my body can stand it. I'm, I'm going to burst. I'm just so overflowing with this joy. Jesus is alive. He's, he's living. He's come and drawn right alongside me. And uh, so that was a tremendous day. But I made a very, very foolish mistake. I don't know why, but I didn't tell anybody what had happened. You know, the Bible says we're to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. But I didn't. I kept it to myself for months and months. And uh, so I actually made a very slow start in my Christian life. But eventually I stood up in that, uh, one, one of the sort of youth meetings we had and told them what I've told you today. And uh, John and Mary were sort of thrilled about it and uh, they wanted to help me in every way that they could. And... But you know, when I look back on the first couple of years, in some ways I'm discouraged because I think I still carried on being pretty obnoxious. I thought there's all sorts of things that didn't change. And I thought, you know, after such a tremendous meeting with, with Jesus, you know, how comes I made such a, a slow start? And in fact, in many ways, my Christian life didn't really begin until... Good Friday, 1971, two years later, when I was baptised in water and filled with the Holy Spirit, and then some things really started to change. But I want to tell you about three things that did change right from the start. You know, in our meetings on Tuesday night, you know, sometimes people are sort of sharing that uh, you know, they're a bit discouraged, like I can be when I look back and think, well, so many things haven't changed. Um, but yeah, I want to emphasise some things that certainly did change. And as I've looked back at them um, you know, over the last couple of weeks in preparing for this, I've just got thrilled and new with those things. So three things I'm going to share with you. For, number one, my attitude to this book. Okay, So I've told you that before I became a Christian, apart from John and Mary and their few friends, I'd never met anybody that believed this book and uh, nobody told me, oh, now you've become a Christian, you've got to read this or this, or, um, well, nobody knew, I, knew I'd become a Christian for a while, and uh, nobody told me you've got to believe it. But you know, from the moment I became a Christian, 
I couldn't put this book down, not this one, but, um, but I read it and I read it and I read it. In, I can remember at uh, lunchtime at school, I would, um, if it was a nice day, I would go out and sit at a, a bench up the road and I would sit there reading it. And uh, round about that time, the, the Gideons, many of you know the Gideons who put Bibles in hotels and come into schools, and they came to our school and gave me this um, New Testament, which you see is very worn, although I haven't actually used it for years, but I used it a lot in those early days. And, um, you know, right from the beginning, I had a passion to know the whole Bible. I find that, you know, so many Christians just know a few sort of favourite verses and texts and things. But I thought, if this is God's word, and somehow I now knew that it was, and I knew that what I was reading was the truth, and I thought, I want to know the whole of this book, not just bits of it. And I read it and read it. And the, but the topic that gripped me more than anything else was the second coming of Jesus Christ. It seemed wherever I read in the Bible... I found that Jesus is coming back to this planet again. And when I picked this up off the shelf this week, I found on the back cover, almost faded away, but there's a whole list of things I've written down about Antichrist, Armageddon, Jesus rules on earth for a thousand years, final judgment. Nobody had told me any of these things. I read them in the Bible for myself. And um, it's amazing to me when I look back that God gave me something at the beginning that was a preparation for years and years later. Now, as many of you know, I've had lots of opportunities to to teach the Word of God. And, you know, the particular passion I have is that people should know the whole of the book. And uh, some of you have been to a, a course that I've run a couple of times in this church and in some other places as well, through the Bible in six weeks. And... um, So I had that sort of passion right at the beginning, not to get through it in six weeks, but uh, I thought I've got years ahead of me, Um, but to get to know the whole book. And that passion that I had about the second coming of Christ, that that stayed with me. When I was 17 years old, I started writing a book um, about the the topic, and I spent three days, two days, I worked as a carpenter and decorator, and I spent two days a week for 15 months simply reading the Bible, no commentaries, no other books, two days a week for 15 months, reading the Bible and making notes about everything it told me about the second coming of Jesus. And my thought was, I'm going to write a book on this topic. And I actually started it when I was 17 and abandoned it. But the whole, thing, the whole thing's come back to me in recent years, and I'm planning to do it when I retire um, in a year or so's time. Um, but that passion is still with me. Jesus is coming. And this book tells us how to be ready for it. Anyway, I'm waffling a bit. That, that, was, that was number... Now, actually, there's something else I wanted to say on that. Because something else about the Bible... Yeah, the Bible has been such an important part of my life and of Marguerite's life. I married Marguerite in 1981. And in 1987, Margaret was praying... And God spoke to her about Christians who were persecuted for their faith. Neither of us really knew anything about this, but God spoke to her. And we got involved with an organization called Open Doors. And for about 16 years, um, we spent a lot of our holidays traveling to different countries and um, 
kind of before I got married, I'd only once ever left the UK, and I was I had no desire to travel, whatever. But I think I've been to about 30 different countries, and, and many of them with open doors, taking in hundreds, possibly thousands of copies of the Word of God to people that can't get this book for themselves. I want to tell you one story. There's so many wonderful people we met in that time. I want to tell you one story. In Cuba, a little boy called Samuel. When we first met Samuel, he was six years old. And um, we had a suitcase that was full of uh, children's toys, colouring books, all sorts of things that people couldn't get in Cuba because they're all very, very poor. But he saw in that suitcase a, a children's Bible in Spanish, which is what they speak. And he almost sort of like lunged towards it, grabbed it, and said, I've been praying for this for so long. Six-year-old boy. He ran out into the street to show all his friends, look what I've got. Three years later, we went back and met him again. He was nine years old. That's obvious, isn't it? Six plus three is nine. I'm pretty bright, you know. And, uh, and I said to him, have you read that Bible we gave you? He looked at me as if I was totally mad. He said, I've read it all the way through twice. I said, all the way through? He said, yes, all the way through twice. A nine-year-old boy. Two years later, we went there again. He was 11, and he was standing on the platform preaching. I don't mean giving a little talk. I mean preaching the gospel to a, a church that was full of about 200 young people. My wife and I, and I think three other people, were the only, we were the only ones there over some 20. All the rest were young people, and this 11-year-old boy was preaching to them. His sister, who was such a timid little girl, she came up and sung a beautiful song. Oh, if we only knew what this book could do, we would value it far, far more. So I've spent a long time on that, but it was something that I had right from the start and that has continued to be a passion for me. The second thing that changed was my attitude to other Christians. So I've told you that before I became a Christian... I thought that John and Mary and other people that I got to know were fanatics. They were crazy. I didn't want anything to do with them. In fact, I'd take it further than, than that. There was a real hatred in my heart towards Mary because I thought she was upsetting our nice little world and I thought, I want to destroy it. You know, she's got something dangerous here and I want to wipe it out. But when I became a Christian, that all changed. I just wanted to be with those people. They became closer to me than my family. I just love to be with God's people. And uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 says, this is how we know that we've passed from death into life, that we love the brothers. That's one of the signs that Christ is in you, the attitude you have to other Christians. And because there was no sort of real Bible teaching in the church we went to, um, on Sunday nights, John and Mary would often take me to other churches where there was good Bible teaching. One of them was a little Pentecostal church in Haringey, and um, a pastor there was a guy called Percy Brook, and uh, he would often, on a Sunday night, sort of bellow, or it seemed to me as a little boy, he'd bellow, and he'd say, who's got a testimony? And there would always be lots of people coming forward to share wonderful things God had done for them. That week, not old testimonies, but up-to-date living things. 
And as a young Christian, I used to sit there and think, I wish I had a testimony. I wish I had something to share. But at that time, God spoke to me in a dream. The Bible says, the old men shall dream dreams. Well, I was only 13 or 14, and God spoke to me clearly in this dream. And I was in that little church on a Sunday night, and John and Mary were sitting next to me. And Pastor Brooks said, who's got a testimony? And I put my hand up. And he said, come to the front, brother, come to the front. And uh, I said, no, I don't need to come to the front. I said, because my testimony is right here. And I pointed to Mary, who was sitting next to me. And I said, once I hated this woman, and now I love her. That's my testimony. And I sat down. And that was the end of my dream. But God had showed me something very profound. You know, to have a testimony, you don't need to be an ex drug addict or you've been in prison or all sorts of other things if you have been and Jesus has saved you that's wonderful but I didn't do any of those things but I had hatred in my heart towards Mary and towards other people and Jesus changed it he put love in my heart and number three he put a song in my mouth before I became a Christian I hated singing. I was so embarrassed by singing. In, in church, I would be firmly stung during the hymns. Um, and all three of us, my, my brother, sister and me, we were all given piano lessons um, from the church organist. He was an elderly man. And uh, my brother was um, actually very keen and he passed lots of, sort of piano exams and everything. But I... I just messed around the whole time and I never did any practice and I couldn't be bothered with it at all. And um, the piano teacher then uh, went into hospital where he in fact died. And, uh, but while he was in hospital, he wrote a letter to my brother saying, it was a real pleasure teaching you and I'm so proud of all that you've achieved and I hope that you go on to many other things. I wish I could say the same for your younger brother. He's been such a trial to me. I always felt maybe I drove that poor man to his death. But, anyway. um, but you know, when I became a Christian, I had a new reason to play the piano. Now, three years earlier, my dad had been to the Billy Graham crusade and come back with this book that's now very tatty. And it's got 100 songs in it. And when everybody else was out, we had a piano in our home. And... Uh, I would sit down and I taught myself to play almost every song in this book. Most of them I'd never ever heard sung, so whether I was teaching myself correctly, I don't know. And, uh, I never became a great piano teacher, but I tell you what, I just wanted to worship Jesus. And I would play these as loud as I could, and I would sing at the top of my voice. And, um, and when I wasn't playing the piano I'd go around the house singing at the top of my voice and a man who lived on the other side of the street said to my mum I can hear your son singing all day long when he's there and uh, I'm still singing uh, <laughs> I noticed on the front when I picked this up yesterday I just noticed on the front it says number 71 and I thought oh I wonder what number 71 was I must have written that many years ago and I wasn't surprised to find it's a book, a, a song on my favourite subject. Marvellous message we bring, glorious carol we sing, wonderful word of the King, Jesus is coming again. And uh, I love songs about that. Um, not many of them around now. 
So, Psalm 40 says, He lifted me up from the miry clay. He put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. And that, that was so much my experience. Now, the songs that I played and that we sung then were sort of very different on the whole to the ones we sing these days. Um, but there's one song that we sing regularly here, and we're going to sing it in, when I shut up. And, um, and, at some t- and I think I learnt this within the first two years of becoming a Christian, this song. And uh, sometimes when I'm on my own, I sing it very, very slowly, just sort of savouring every word of it. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. I wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. For me it was in the garden he prayed, not my will but thine. He had no tears for his own griefs, but sweat drops of blood for mine. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. There's another verse, but they're the ones that really thrill me. I just want to tell you one other thing before I sit down. Um, I spoke about John and Mary. Mary went to be with the Lord about four years ago. Marguerite and I attended John's funeral four days ago. He was 92. And um, at that funeral, I saw um, their, their son, who I referred to earlier, who'd become a Christian just a little while before me. I hadn't seen him for years. And... Uh, I said, Jeff, I said, it will be 50 years on Sunday since because of your mum and dad, I became a Christian. I said, I'm going to be standing up in, in my church and thanking God for that couple, thanking God that they... And he just broke down in tears. And, uh, but they were tears of joy to think that, you know, what people have done. And we need to be sowing those seeds in other people's lives. Now, maybe there's people here today that you just thought being a Christian was coming to church or you grew up in a Christian country or whatever and you've never personally met Jesus Christ, I tell you, you, he is alive. You can meet him. You can know him. He, He can speak to you through this book. He can speak to you in many different ways and he can change your life. I might have started slowly and, in fact, I've still got a long, long way to go, but the Bible says... Paul wrote to the Philippians, I'm confident of this, that he that began a good work in you shall complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Come, Lord Jesus.